Ready to learn why cash flow and compassion are not mutually exclusive? Each week, brand strategist, speaker, and author Maria Ross will introduce you to the trailblazing brands and leaders who embrace empathetic tactics to reap huge rewards. You'll learn about winning teams, brand wins and fails, unforgettable customer experience, and bold leadership decisions fueled by compassion. You'll get the latest trends and research, discover practical ways to infuse more empathy into your work and life, and hear from innovative market leaders who've smashed outdated models and redefined success. Welcome to the Empathy Edge podcast, the show that proves empathy isn't just good for society, it's great for business. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Empathy Edge podcast. I am your host, Maria Ross, and I'm thrilled you've joined me today to learn how to turn empathy into your business and your work's competitive advantage. And I could not have a better guest for you today to talk about precisely how empathy can increase your word of mouth and your brand reputation, especially during difficult times. Today, I'm talking with marketing and customer experience expert, Jay Bear, who is someone I have admired and followed for a very long time. And we have digitally collaborated on a few things with him, not least of which endorsing my book, The Empathy Edge, which was a wonderful compliment. Jay has spent 25 years in digital marketing and customer experience, consulting for more than 700 companies during that period, including 34 of the Fortune 500. His current firm, Convince and Convert, provides word of mouth, digital marketing, and customer experience advice and counsel to some of the world's most important brands. And by the way, they have a phenomenal newsletter you should sign up for to learn about all things branding, customer experience, and social media. His most recent book, Talk Triggers, is the complete guide to creating customers using strategic operational differentiators that compel word of mouth. And guess what? Empathy is one of them. In the best companies, the customers do the marketing, and Talk Triggers is the instruction manual for making businesses grow with customer conversation. Another one of Jay's books that I absolutely adored was Hug Your Haters. It was a book about modern customer service and customer experience techniques, and it revolutionized the way business thinks about customer interactions. It was actually named one of the top three business books of 2016 by Strategy and Business. And Jay is just an all-around wonderful guy. He's an inductee into the Professional Speaking Hall of Fame. He's also an avid tequila collector and a certified barbecue judge. So today we are going to talk about what an empathetic brand really means and Jay's unique take on that answer. We're also going to specifically dive into empathy as a talk trigger for word of mouth. What does that mean? And he's going to give us some great examples. He's also going to enlighten us on how your brand can show empathy digitally, even when you're not interacting face-to-face through social media. And we'll learn a little bit about some great examples he's seen in the recent turmoil that has been our lives on this planet these days. And lastly, he'll share some personal stories about empathy in the wild, as we like to say, empathy in, in action of brands and experiences that he's had that really show you and can inspire you on what you can do with your business, regardless of its size, to infuse it with genuine empathy and create a closer connection with your customers. He's got some great insights for you, so you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Welcome, Jay Bear, to the Empathy Edge podcast. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you, my friend. 
I am fired up. Congratulations on the podcast. And of course, the success of the book as well. Richly deserved and delighted to be here. Thank you so much. Well, you know, when I try to figure out how to describe you to people, I'm all over the place. So I love that you've finally encapsulated on your site, marketing and customer experience expert and on your LinkedIn profile, because you you are in so many different worlds and your books have touched on so many different aspects. And so the, the thread I love about the work that you do and what you write about is just helping build amazing brands, no matter what size company. And so let's talk for a minute about how you would define an empathetic brand and what does that look like to you? I mean, Maria, one of the challenges I have with that notion is that a brand is an actual thing, right? I mean, you know, people always talk about branding and a lot of times they mean the logo, which obviously is not the case. But the reality is there is no brand without the people. All a brand is, is a collection of decisions made by real people. Uh, As I've said in the past, when social media first kind of became a thing, I said, the nice thing about social is it lets big companies act small again. And every good company is, is a better than average collection of human beings that make better than average decisions. And so when I think about what is an empathetic brand, I think it is a consistent enough manifestation of kindness and situational awareness that then sort of leeches into the world through the behaviors and words of its team members. Absolutely. And, you know, when I work with my clients, that's why I always have a cross-functional team brought in because especially HR, which makes the marketing person scratch their heads. I'm sure you do this too. And I'm like, well, they're bringing in your brand ambassadors and your brand lives or dies by the actions of your people. So it doesn't matter how slick your advertising is or how cool your social memes are. If your people on a day-to-day basis don't bring the brand to life and the ethos and the values of that brand, none of the other stuff matters. I mean, marketing's writing checks that your employees have to cash. Exactly. And I remember long ago when Ford had the slogan that quality was job one. At a time, Ford's doing a much better now, but at that time, quality was most definitely not job one. And, <laughs> and it was pretty clear to everybody involved that that was right. the case, right? So you have a fundamental misalignment of sort of marketing and, and truth. Mm-hmm. And that happens uh, all the time, right? I mean, you know, the hard part about a brand today is, is that customers are so how would I put this? I think customers are more aware of customer experiences than they used to be. And they are more, they certainly hold brands to a higher standard than they ever have, even since the pandemic, which we can talk about that a little bit. And, and it's challenging because you can have a terrific brand. Let's say, say Starbucks, for example. I think most people would argue that Starbucks is a better than average brand with a more than, than typically consistent set of values. They're not afraid to express those values. They train for human skills and, and sort of empathy. And, you know, people, I think most people would say, they may not like the coffee, but most people would say that Starbucks is a good <laughs> right. brand. But even in a situation like that, where they've invested I don't know, maybe billions of dollars in, in sort of HR and team and empathy. It's routine that you hear a story about, well, I was at this one Starbucks in Tuscaloosa, <laughs> Alabama. Right. And that lady who took my order was so mean to me. And, you know, that's, that's why 
it is so challenging that you can you can spend decades building um, an ethos, and then for that particular customer in that particular moment, that tree gets chopped down instantly because one particular team member had a bad day, or who knows what the story was. But, but I just see it all the time, and I, I feel bad for those kind of brands sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it's funny how consumers are are more forgiving about consistency of you doing good as a brand Mm -hmm. than if you do, you know, it takes the one (laughs) bad experience, right. To just demolish the brand, you know, but, but it's sort of like this, like stubborn, well, show me what you got multiple times on the good front. (laughs) Yeah. You got to prove it to me to to give you credit. I only have to hear is a rumor to to believe it to be true. I did a, I did a little Facebook poll. This is years (laughs) ago, Maria. I did a little Facebook poll and I, I asked my friends on Facebook, Hey, tell me, your favorite and least favorite airlines. And every single airline was mentioned many, many times on both sides. In both columns, exactly. Yeah, there is no objective truth, right? It's, <laughs> it's who, who disappointed you most recently. Right. Uh, for me, that is Delta, who I am a very loyal Delta flyer, but they disappointed me yesterday with a, a trip a family member took. And that was kind of, I'm chagrined by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then who has delighted you ever, right? Or have you ever mm-hmm. heard a good story about particular airlines? So it's, it's, uh, it, you, you cannot possibly, unless you're a company of one, and even then it's probably a challenge, you cannot possibly be empathetic 100% of the time. Exactly. But as long as you line yourself up to succeed from an empathetic perspective, mm-hmm. 51% of the time, <laughs> then mm-hmm. things should work out eventually. Right. And you talk in your book, Talk Triggers, about empathy being one of those talk triggers to help a brand with word of mouth marketing, yeah. right? The, the holy grail is word of mouth marketing, where we don't have to spend any money on advertising. It's just all of our customers becoming unpaid sales reps for us and telling everyone how wonderful we are. So you claim in that book that you co-wrote with Jay, remind me his uh, last Daniel name? Lemon. Daniel Lemon. That's right. You're Jay. <laughs> Jay and Jay. You talk about the fact that empathy is a talk trigger. Can you explain what you mean by that and give us an example of a company that has leveraged word of mouth marketing because of empathy? Well, word of mouth really is the best way to grow any business. And I think most people understand that, at least anecdotally, and, and acknowledge it. I've been doing this a really long time now, and I don't know that I've ever had a client or a brand in any context say, you know what we don't care about, Jay? Word of mouth. Like everybody cares about it. <laughs> Exactly. But nobody does anything about it, right? We take it for right. granted. Uh, we're very laissez-faire about word of mouth, and that's the mistake. That's why we wrote that book. But what's interesting about empathy in particular is that customers have come, unfortunately, to expect so little of it from brands that when you actually are disproportionately empathetic, human, kind, etc., it stands out amongst the crowd of other brands in such a meaningful way that it can be a real differentiator. We, we are living in a time, I don't have to tell you this, you literally wrote the book about it, but we are literally in a time right now of empathy deficit. I don't believe that was always the case. I am old enough to remember a time when we didn't have a name for treating customers with dignity and humanity and respect and care. We called that business. Right. 
And now it is so rare, we have to make a category and, and create a taxonomy <laughs> and, for and it. And make it a differentiator. Right. A and competitive make it a advantage so, for people. Yeah, exactly. You know, in, in business, in life, certainly in politics, mm-hmm. today we live in an era of empathy deficit. And as a human being, I have to tell you, that makes me a little bit sad. It does. It's, it's a very sad state of affairs it that is. that is a differentiating it factor. Is. But as a business person, I also recognize that it is a massive opportunity. Mm-hmm. Because now, if you just display empathy and you do it consistently and you do it beyond what customers have grown to expect, which is almost nothing, it can actually set you free. It can actually be the thing that your company is known for. I've got an example of that, if you don't mind. There is a business um, called AmeriCollect. They're outside of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Now, their business, their actual product and service is medical collections. They are a collections company. They work with hospitals and physicians groups to collect overdue bills. Mm -hmm. You go get your liver replaced with a baboon liver or whatever. That's probably not the procedure, but maybe you go get a a liver transplant and whatever happens, you can't pay or, you know, you owe the hospital money. AmeriCollect is charged with contacting you to get that money. Well, as many listeners I'm sure know, Maria, the collections business typically works like this. You've got a room full of people, each with a phone, and they have a list of people who owe money. And what they do see is they call you, and they call and call, and call and call, and call and call, and call and call and call, and threaten and cajole, and intimidate and badger and they persist until they wear you down to a nub and you pay. That's literally the job. There are thousands of collections companies in the US, not just medical, but in general, that's how collections works. And it has been this way since the telephone was invented. AmeriCollect, however, has taken a different approach. They're owned by a great guy, Kellen Gretz is his name, and I actually got to meet Kellen and do a presentation to the whole company at AmeriCollect up outside of Green Bay. And it's really remarkable because in the face of an entire industry that does it one way, they do it literally the exact opposite way. Mm-hmm. They treat everybody they call like family. Their idea is if we are super duper kind and our approach is, well, of course you want to pay this bill, you're just not able to at this time. If we are incredibly empathetic when somebody does have the means, who are they going to pay first? The people that were really nice to them or the people that threatened them every time they picked up the phone? The brand positioning for AmeriCollect, Maria, is ridiculously nice collections. Mm-hmm. And it is ridiculously nice. It's incredibly effective. Uh, they outperform their competition almost 100% of the time. And what I learned when I went to visit them blew me away. They now have, they started with 12 people. Now they have 450. Of that group of 450, more than half of their employees are people that they originally called to collect from. Now think about that. Here's an organization whose job it is to collect bad debt and they talk to these people and they treat them with so much empathy and respect 
that that person says, you know what, after I pay this bill, that's the kind of company I want to work for. Yep. And, and readers of my book, uh, similar, there's the collection agency I profiled at the beginning of the book by Christina Harbridge, exact same story. She started a collection agency based on the fact that we're going to earn people's trust. The goal of the first phone call is not to get them to pay the bill because that's not going to happen. They would have already paid it. The goal of the, <laughs> the was, first phone call, right, is to develop trust and build a relationship. And her agency was so successful. She said it was accidental. She just said... You know, it just, I thought it was the right thing to do. I was, I was horrified when she worked for an agency when she was 18 and saw the behavior of her, you know, one second before previously nice coworkers turn into these horrible people as soon as they got on the phone. She was so shaken by that, that she said, there's got to be a better way. And eventually the agency, to your point, you know, outperformed other collection agencies by three times the industry average of collections. And they had to put toys into their office because they would get the debtors visiting the office to thank <laughs> their collections agents to the point that in their performance reviews, so great. they had how many thank you cards have you gotten? How many wedding invitations? No lie when she was telling me this. And she said it was such a part of the culture. And part of it was also how I treated the debt collectors, empathy as a leader and the environment that I created for them so that they could be empathetic when they got on the phone. It was, it was whatever you need to support you in this work that's really hard work. And I understand it's not a lot of fun to call people when they owe you money. So, you know, on both sides of being empathetic as, as a brand, but also empathetic, creating that empathetic culture that drives the perception and the reputation in the market is so huge. Yeah, it, it can't work without the culture, right? You can't, can't. Just, you can't just get a bunch of people and say, hey, here's what we're going to do, guys. Um, yeah. We're going to treat them nice this week. <laughs> that's, yeah, exactly. That's exactly. not going to work, right? But we're going to treat you like crap, but right. <laughs> treat right. everyone right. else nicely. So, so when you kind of go back to the fact that empathy is a talk trigger, mm. is it because of the, you're saying it's because of the shocking experience right. of being seen, heard, and valued that that's right. what you go out and tell your friends, well, right? In their, yeah, but in their case, of course, the customer is the, is the finance manager for the hospital or the physician's right. group. Right. And they talk to one another all the time about right. AmeriCollect. And it's like, wow, not only do they actually outperform, but- who would you want contacting your own customers? And, and, and how would that be interpreted, right? Because they're, they're calling on behalf of the hospital. Right, right? So they're representing brand the brand. Yeah, there's some brand association there mm -hmm. as well. And, and so it's, it, it, it's like their client acquisition process now is very, very simple because all the people in the hospital side of the collections game, no AmeriCollect, no ridiculously nice collections is a superior approach and the business mm -hmm. comes to them. Right. Right. I love it. Yeah. And that's the thing to remember is that that behavior is reflecting well on the brand. It's, it's sort of a, just a, a very fruitful cycle of yes. reflecting well on the brand, continuing to provide that word of mouth. How do you think given the digital world we're in, because I get hit with that a lot of like, but I don't have face-to-face -face interactions with my customers. And no matter how many times I try to explain that empathy is a mindset, it's not just about being nice or giving people what they want. It's about seeing things from their perspective. So there's opportunities to do that when you're communicating with people digitally, when you're communicating through social media. So can you talk about how brands can better show empathy through social me media? And maybe even talk a little bit about 
the topic in one of your previous books, Hug Your Haters, about what you do with digital dissatisfaction with a customer you will never see face-to-face. I think it's actually easier to display empathy online. I mean, if you follow a brand in social media, for example, you might see a post from that brand every day, a couple, three times a week, your actual interactions with that brand in the real world won't be that numerous. Unless Mm -hmm. maybe going back to our Starbucks example, you might go to Starbucks every morning, but outside of that sort of habitual brand interaction, you're, you're more likely to taste the brand and its empathy or lack thereof online than you are offline. Right. You really are. So this idea that online makes it harder, I reject that premise entirely. I think online gives you way more at-bats, way more opportunities to show what you're made of. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. I don't think you know this story. It's from right here in Bloomington, Indiana. There is a local distillery here called Cardinal Spirits. Um, they're five years old now, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, run by a couple friends of mine, and they do a nice job. They're very popular regionally. They're starting to get some of their spirits um, stocked in in um, stores and bars and stuff in the Northeast. So they're doing they're doing a good job. But clearly, uh, trouble, pandemic, people can't mm-hmm. come to distilleries, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Like most distilleries, they pivoted very quickly to making hand sanitizer, almost the same <laughs> recipe, <laughs> same one in our backyard too. Yeah, they got the stuff. <laughs> it's not a big deal, right? It's yeah. it's it's basically it's vodka like without. Vodka without a glass bottle. Exactly. Free hand sanitizer with purchase. Yeah, That's exactly. exactly what they did. Free hand sanitizer with purchase. But they first gave away thousands of gallons of hand sanitizer to all the first responders, schools, hospital, law and order, all that. Then what they would do is every day they went on their Instagram account where they um, put most of their attention in social. Mm-hmm. Again, digital empathy. Every day, post on Instagram. Dear Bloomington, we're so sorry about this pandemic. We're doing whatever we can to make hand sanitizer. Meanwhile, we want to let you know, in the interest of full transparency, what we need to sell today in order to stay in business. Mm -hmm. We need to sell eight cocktail kits, 16 bottles of spirits, and four gallons of hand sanitizer. Comments, comments, comments. Then at some point later in the afternoon, Mm -hmm. they post another Instagram message that says, Bloomington, you've done it again. It is now (laughs) 3.13 p.m. We have made our goals for the day. For the rest of today, please take your time and most importantly, your money and support another local business. I love it. And they are absolutely crushing it. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing nobody understands. Brands are not built in good times. Brands are built in bad times. This is when the winners and losers are decided. Exactly. The next, the next six months will have a massive impact on your business for the next six years. Mm-hmm. And those who lean into empathy will win. And those who don't will probably not win. And this is what I've been saying is that the brands that are showing up right now with genuine empathy, not the like, how can we look empathetic right now, boardroom discussion, right. but right. what can we right. do to help with our resources and our skill set? These are our people. These are our customers. This is our community. These are our employees. The brands that are stepping up and, and being transparent and showing that empathy 
are winning right now. <laughs> and all the latest research that if you go to do something strategic.org, they've been doing constant research since April on the attitudes of Gen Z and millennials. And those generations pay attention to the behind the curtain operations of They brand. really do. I've got they two at look, home. They I mean, pay attention. The, the fact that 17 year olds are saying, I'm not going to shop at Sephora because they laid off thousands of people in a 10 minute Zoom call. That yeah. is something I never would have said as a 17 year old. I wouldn't have even no. been aware how they were treating their employees. And I know we're in an age of more transparency, but to your point, those brands that are doing the work and showing up and thinking, how can we help? In addition to how do we keep our business going, right? They do have to you know, protect themselves and survive. They are the ones that are going to win coming out of this because when we come out of this, you know, you, you can't all of a sudden be looking at the brands that hid their heads in the sand and now they want to come out and play. Well, and we're like, not going to come out Where of were it. you? Right. It's not, you can't put your, you know, you, what, what's the saying? You can't step in the same river twice, mm -hmm. right? This idea that we're going quote unquote back to normal is insane. That's not going to happen. Um, right. People are not going to all of a sudden make decisions the way they used to just because there's a vaccine or whatever. That's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. One of the craziest stats I've seen uh, since the pandemic is 28% of customers say, despite the fact that, you know, you've got huge economic challenges for so many people, 28% say that price matters less than before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. right? People are making decisions based on empathy, based on perceived safety, based on a bunch of other things that aren't about money. Exactly. Exactly. So to your point about the distillery, if someone's listening to this going, how can we come up with something to do digitally? What are, what are some ideas that you have for a company that genuinely wants to care, wants to get involved? What can they be showcasing on social media and walk that fine line of not being seen as fake empathy or that empathy veneer? I think if you feel like it might be perceived as fake, it's going to be perceived as fake. Mm -hmm. And this advice is going to sound deceptively simple, but don't worry about how do we look empathetic. Just be it. Just be <laughs> empathetic, right? Like, like you know, uh, right. like I've said many times in the past, focus on being social, not doing social and right. be much better off. And empathy works the same way. So I, what I would do is I would put everybody who is, you know, part of this decision in the company in a room, mm -hmm. a Zoom room as the case may be. Right. And I would say, what are the three things that you care about the most right now? What are your ride or dies? Mm -hmm. And find where the common ground lies. And then just talk about that every day, mm -hmm. right? Or, or say, okay, we're going to uh, do a three-minute video three times a week on our LinkedIn page or our Facebook page or Instagram page or whatever about things that we care about. And we're going to give the actual Facebook page for the company to an employee every day. We're going to do a takeover. So we're going to have Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Again, I'm doing real-time consulting now, which is the least good, <laughs> the least good way to do it. But... We're going to do uh, an employee takeover on our Instagram account on Insta stories, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and every Monday, every Wednesday, every Friday, a different team member is going to get the password and they can talk about whatever matters to them. What, what do you care about? Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, again, it's not about the brand. It's about the people who right. comprise the brand. 
So what do they care about? And, and talk about that. And, mm-hmm. uh, and where the empathy lies is the Venn diagram between what the people at the company care about and what their employee or what their customers care about, right? Exactly. Where, where those two things overlay, that's the empathy key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say is making sure that they are looking at what do our customers need right now? I know that this is what we want to sell and this is what we want to say, but we need to meet our customers where they are right now. Yes. And I've I've spoken to enterprise companies, for example, that have very different sales approaches based on knowing who their customers are. Mm-hmm. So one enterprise software company doing a much more, let us know what you need. Like, you know, we're here for you. We've, we've got a couple of these options we've put together for you based on what we've heard, but you let us know what you need. Another company going, our customers are scared and they're deer in headlights right now. And they just need us to be prescriptive. They just need us to say, here's what you need to do. These three things, boom, 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 go do them, which is a very different approach, but it's, it works for both of those companies because they know their customers, yes. right? Yes. Um, My bias is towards the latter, personally. Mm-hmm. I don't like it when people ask me, well, what can I do for you? Mm-hmm. And because then the onus is now on me to like triangulate my whole life and how this person could maybe fit into it. <laughs> yeah. Right. I just, I, I don't right. like being asked that by people and I don't like being asked that by companies because it puts, it, it makes work for me. Mm-hmm. I would rather somebody say when, and if you need something, please don't hesitate to contact me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's, that's fundamentally the same, but psychologically it's a big difference. Right. And so that's, that's how I feel like brands can, can be better off. But I'll tell you, even my own company, that idea of being prescriptive is, is it. That's, that's been the secret to our success during the pandemic is like, look, we're going to tell you what you need. Right. I mean, everyone's cognitive load is maxed out right now. Yeah. So the minute you can say, don't let me make another decision, the better off you are. Yeah, somebody's wanna, everybody's going to want to go back to cruises someday because that's the best vacation in the world. It's like, Here's your big decision for the day. Is it steak or <laughs> shrimp? It's like, I don't know, man. It's going to take me a while to sort that one out, right? I know, uh, I know. Let me get back to you. Maybe that's we can why get over the health concerns. Yeah. That's, a, that's a great vacation <laughs> for the stressed. So, you know, we, we talk about the fact, obviously, that depending on the situation, empathy is very situational because when you hire, when you hire the right people to live out the brand, it needs to be something they can adapt to in the moment to really be present with the person they're dealing with in front of them and determine what it is that that person needs right now, rather than, oh, but I've got this script or I've got this sales pitch I'm supposed to present to you, or I've got, you know, name your, your thing that they, they come, their agenda that they Mm -hmm. come with. Mm -hmm. So can you screen for empathy in customer relationship roles? Have you, have you found an effective way to ascertain if someone's going to be empathetic in the moment? Absolutely. I, I don't because I don't hire for those roles necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but for sure, lots of companies do and successfully. I think Southwest is a particularly good example of a company that, that screens for empathy. And, and, and typically when companies like that are looking for those qualities, they come at it sideways. You know, it's a little bit of an elliptical process. It's not like, are you empathetic? <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah. Yes. It, yes, I am. Yes, uh, <laughs> totally. Uh, so much, you know, or, or, Hey, say, say a customer was yelling at you, what would you do? Like yeah. that doesn't, that, that, that's not going to get at it. Right. So you kind of exactly. work at it a little differently, but what's interesting about 
empathy in the field, if you will. Mm-hmm. And how empathy, empathy in the wild, empathy in the wild, right? <laughs> um, that's not like a bad reality show. It does. <laughs> that's actually when the word of mouth part happens, right? Because mm-hmm. people don't really expect empathy situationally like that. Mm-hmm. And when it happens, it, it, it surprises customers so often that then they feel compelled to tell the story. Right. And it's funny that I, I, I impugned Delta earlier because one of my favorite examples of empathy gone wild in the wild. Empathy, <laughs> empathy gone wild. That's my, that's my next podcast. Yeah. Bikini, <laughs> bikini clad, empathetic <laughs> customer service rep. Totally. Um, empathy in the wild uh, was actually Delta. So this is a few mm-hmm. years ago. I was going to Australia to give a presentation. My wife was with me and we went from Indianapolis to LA, LA to Perth or some, it was long. Anyway, <laughs> we're in LA and we're getting ready to board and they scan my boarding pass and the gate agent looks in that like black magic box they have there. And she says, oh, Mr. Bear, thank you for your uh, diamond status. You know, appreciate you spending so much time with us here. I'm like, thanks. And that's nice to hear. But, you know, I fly or used to fly 47 weeks a year. So to be thanked for loyalty by an airline is not really outside of my frame of expectations. Right. Nice to hear, uh, mm-hmm. but not a talk trigger for me because it's not, it's, I don't it talk about unusual. things. It wasn't unusual, yeah. You don't talk about things you expect, right? I, right? I wouldn't say, guess what? I flicked this switch, lights went out. You won't believe it. <laughs> that's, that's how lights work, right? And in other news, spinach yeah. is green. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but then she scans my wife's boarding pass and looks in the little magic box realizes whatever it says in there that my wife has like very few frequent flyer miles and she says oh no wait a minute i'd like to thank you mrs bear for what you must do at home to allow mr bear to spend so much time with us here at delta so thank you ma'am for all that you do game changer game changer went down that (laughs) jetway went down that jetway literally in tears i'm not kidding Uh, and just a little thing like that. Now, that's not part of a playbook. That's not a script, if this, then that. That is a human being reading the room and treating somebody like a human being. And ultimately, that's all empathy is. Mm -hmm. It's a human treating a human like a human when you read the room successfully. That's it. Right. And, and usually the problem is brands get in the way of empathy. This idea that brands create empathy or support empathy, my experience is the opposite. That usually the people in the organization want to be more empathetic, mm-hmm. but the organization puts up barriers and obstacles to that because true empathy, especially in the wild, is usually not scripted. And the company is scared to give the team members that kind of rope. Because what if they misuse it? What if they give away a gift card that somebody doesn't deserve? Who (laughs) gives a shit? Is that your biggest concern, right? Is that really what we're trying to do here? You know, we're we're, we're pinching pennies and lighting money on fire at the same time. It doesn't Mm -hmm. make any sense. Right. Well, and it's that idea of, of creating that latitude and creating that environment and creating that culture where people can default to the human thing. They can default to what they probably have a natural tendency to do anyway, right? And so this is where I talk about operationalizing empathy is 
it's not about just hiring a bunch of really nice people. Like we said earlier, it's about giving them the environment to let them opt for those decisions and making it really easy for them to lean into those decisions mm -hmm. so that you create those policies and procedures. You do operationalize empathy in a way by giving them the environment to do what they need to do to be situationally aware and say, yeah, I mean, there is no rule book for this. There right. is no policy for this. But in that moment, you have latitude, Jay, exactly. Maria, to do whatever you need to do to solve that customer's problem based on what that customer needs right then. The analogy I like to use is brands need to shop for the groceries, but then let the team member cook their own recipe. Oh, boom. Mic drop right there. See? There you go. I like it. I like it. There you go. That's that's our quotable. It's like an episode <laughs> of Chopped or whatever. It's like, okay, you got gummy bears, yeah, peanut butter, and uh, artichokes. And basil. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and pork snout. Go. <laughs> that sounds disgusting. Yeah. Um, okay, so right now, obviously, we're dealing in uncertain times. Uncertain times. Which a colleague of mine suggested making that a drinking game every time. Yeah, you uncertain hear times. Precedent, unprecedented yes. or uncertain times. Unprecedented times. But we are obviously facing all these global challenges on a couple different fronts. Challenging times. Can, can you talk about, everyone drink, can you talk about which brands you see one or two? You gave one great example, but who's who you think is doing things right? Who's responding as we say? Who's showing up like we said earlier? You know, I, I would say a category of brands. Okay. Um, I feel like, we talked about it a little bit earlier, the, the hospitals in that category are doing a really, really nice job mm -hmm. reconstructing their operations, understanding the manifest health concerns of individuals and, and showcasing new policies and procedures and really humanizing um, the organization in ways that perhaps it wasn't earlier. The sad part though, Maria, is they're just not being rewarded for it right now. Mm -hmm. You know, this hospitals are in big, big trouble. Um, you know, they had to ramp up and, and, and spend a lot of money to keep the pandemic under control. And, and, individuals are still just delaying all of those procedures, right? It's like, yeah, my gallbladder is good enough, right? Or, right. you know, uh, I'll get a new, I'll get that spleen out next year. Uh, and it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a real problem, a real problem for them. And, yeah. and I think they're doing a great job. They, they have really turned a corner with their content marketing, their customer experience and their empathy. And it's just, it's sad to see they're just not getting rewarded for it yet. But I think one of the things that's important to understand and you talk about it in your book and I talk about it in my books is, is this is not a quick fix. If, if, you're, if part of your business differentiation and success strategy is to be more empathetic than your competition, and frankly, I think it should be. Mm -hmm. I want you to understand two things. One, it will work. Two, it will not work fast. Because for empathy to, to create customers, it needs the first generation of customers to experience that disproportionate empathy and tell somebody else, then the time to be right for the second generation to buy from you, for them to have an experience, tell somebody else, for the time to be right for the third generation to buy from you. Mm -hmm. So it, it's like, a, it's like the, throwing a pebble in a pond, right? You've got the ripples that, that come out and that's the way empathy works with business growth. It's like ripples in a pond. Right. Uh, it's not like a rock in a pond 
it's, it's ripples. And so you, you've got to stay the course. And I know that sounds scary and expensive and burdensome, but trust me when I tell you, it will work if you just give it enough time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not, you're not one social meme away from no changing the perception. No, yeah. no. Or a billboard, right? Now we're empathetic.com. <laughs> right? I mean, okay. I'm going to see if that's taken after yes. this call. Anyone you see in particular that is not doing things well, or you think has taken a misstep, you know, we could even be a little forgiving and say, maybe their intentions were good, but <sighs> is there anyone out there or even a category that you're seeing? So I'm doing a presentation uh, soon for the Car Dealers Association. Mm-hmm. And I just don't feel like, I haven't looked at all their websites, but I looked at a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. They, they just don't seem to really get it. Mm-hmm. That people have like real concerns about things. So I'll give you an example. Uh, there's a dealership here in Bloomington. Uh, they sell Swedish cars, if that narrows it down at all. <laughs> <laughs> it rhymes with Volvo. <laughs> Volvo. Volvo. Yes. yes. Uh, the homepage of the site says, this is not like, you know, in the corner. This is the main headline of the homepage. Mm-hmm. Your safety is our top priority. And yet there is not a single word on the entire website about masks, about COVID, about contactless, about anything. It is if this website presents as if literally nothing has happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, is this, did, would this get like rolled back to a previous version on the server? Like, well, this, yeah. what are you talking about? Right? Like, there's not even a letter from the GM saying, hey, we understand. We're living it's in unprecedented, unprecedented times. times. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. And we're all going to wear masks. And, you know, you don't have to touch the filthy steering wheels when you test drive. Or we'll bring it to your house. Or, I mean, I could literally riff and come up with 50 oh, yeah. questions that people should be uh, right. answering about. Like Carvana this. is doing in their ads. And they're yeah. killing it. They're killing, they're killing it. it. Yeah. Killing it. Um, but they, they kind of had it figured out ahead of time. Yes. Um, so it's, it's just really, it's, it's demoralizing and frustrating. Well, and when you go speak to this group, I want you to tell them how annoying it is to see car commercials with friends gathering, laughing at the beach, getting out of their new cars. If I see another car commercial that's showing me that right now, like, yeah. are you trying to make me angry? Yeah. Is this stock footage from before? Like what? I'm like, no, we're not doing that right now. We're not doing that. Well, thank you so much, Jay. Do you have any final thoughts for folks that might be listening who are trying to trying to go down this path and trying to really embrace this model of empathetic leadership with their company, with their marketing, especially marketing leaders listening right now? Do you have sort of any final gems for them as they embark on getting closer to their customers through all of these unprecedented times? And what they can do to infuse more genuine empathy into their marketing, into their customer experience. I think we've probably covered that. But what I will say is if you believe in the power of empathy, and I suspect you do, or you would not be listening to this show, reward brands who are doing it right. As we talked about a moment ago, this isn't a quick fix. It's a long-term play. And 
that being the case, if you want to live in a more empathetic world, mm-hmm. it sure would be great if you voted not only just in an electoral capacity, but with your pocketbook for mm-hmm. the brands who are displaying the values that you seek to model. Mm-hmm. So when you see a brand displaying empathy, do what you can to support them and tell other people. Shorten the time horizon between adoption of empathy and business success for them. And maybe somebody will in turn shorten that time horizon for you. I love it. Thank you, Jay, so much for your time. How can folks get in touch with you? I don't know. Just Google. No, just go. <laughs> Convinceandconvert.com. That's our main site, convinceandconvert.com. More than 3,000 articles on CX and marketing for business owners and managers. My main site for myself is jbear.com. Awesome. And yes, highly recommend subscribing to your newsletters. I've been subscribing since about 2008, 2009. So such good stuff. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for your time and your wisdom. And thanks everyone for listening. Please remember to rate and review the podcast on the channel of your choice and tune in next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Empathy Edge. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to share the show with others who want to redefine success and change the game. For more on how empathy makes you and your brand more successful, visit TheEmpathyEdge.com. There, you can download a free guide outlining five business benefits of empathy and a free sample chapter of Maria's book, The Empathy Edge. Until next time, remember that a more empathetic world starts with you and leads to tremendous success. Success.